Welcome to Designing Happiness, Secrets from the Queen of Construction, the podcast to empower and educate homeowners on how to best deliver your extension refurbishment to make sure the end result is perfect for your lifestyle, personality and taste. And this week we are talking about the application of bespoke handmade wallpaper. Intros first. I'm Abigail Hall, a building design expert with the nickname the Queen of Construction. For the last decade and a half, I've been working with private homeowners and super prime developers, advising them how to best deliver very high end and complex new build extensions, as well as undertaking historic renovations. Admittedly, these often had some pretty hefty budgets, but I've also undertaken a fair number of my own renovation projects with much smaller and restricted budgets. Over time, I've learned how to use construction design to enhance genuine happiness in your home. And I want to share with you my knowledge, contacts and a few of the lessons I've learned along the way. So if you're a homeowner and you want to hear from people who share your vision for a happy home, who will help educate you on how to create an environment that is suited for how you want to live and empower you to be bolder with choices and feel informed rather than persuaded, well, Designing Happiness is the podcast for you. We talk to different experts about their product or service so we can learn the technical jargon, the easy mistakes to avoid and how to get the project we want on time and in budget. And this week we have Gracie Studio and I'm very lucky to have both Mike and Zach from Gracie Studio. We're going to talk about the, the relationship with them. But first of all, we're going to start back with their great, great, great grandfather because this is how old the business was. It was started many, many years ago. Probably the most influential person that we should talk about, and I love the continuity of the name. So Charles R. Gracie, who's working in about 1898 in Manhattan, and my God, what I would pay to go back to then and see what it was like. (laughs) Um, He's actually, at this point, a well-established company. He's actually a personal collector of miniature Chinese porcelains and is corresponding with some of the great and the good at that time about his collection and being brokered into the most amazing people within Beijing who are able to source. I mean, this is, we talk about sourcing on the podcast, but this must have been correspondence by mail that's going on boats that's not arriving. I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. The long and the short of it is Charles R. Gracie gets introduced in the 1920s to amazing Chinese artisans who are making hand-painted wallpaper. The rest is history, and we are going to be learning about Gracie's studio, the purveyors of handmade wallpaper. So, Zach, Mike, welcome to the Designing Happiness podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We're going to jump straight in with our first question. So please, I've done a bit of an intro about the history of you guys, but will you tell me about your product, please? I'll let you start, Zach, on that okay. one. That's a good one. Um, we create custom hand-painted wallpaper to fit anyone's space and we will we will fit it to the architecture whether it is a soffit or a return of a fireplace or the space over or under your window and make sure that everything is scaled to make your room the best it could possibly be and here we're talking about particularly scenes. So this is scenic wallpaper. Yes. So it's a picture across a number of different pieces, sure. as opposed to wallpaper that's the same pattern on a roll. It's got a pattern repeat. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important that it's custom made. You consider the scene in the room. Yes, exactly where elements fall. It's a, You're putting a mural up as wallpaper. So you want to know where every element's going to fall and so on and so forth. And of course, you guys are experts in doing this. I mean, as I said, the family lineage is 
beyond impressive. Um, and so you will know, even if it's someone's first project where they're using this kind of paper, you will be able to advise them and say, look, in our experience, I suggest dot, dot, dot. We hold their hand and usher them through the process. Yes. <laughs> what a love, and what lovely hands to be holding. I, I, was, <laughs> I was saying to the guys earlier, this is a, this is a podcast. Some of my uh, podcast experts do have the face for radio. You two, it would be beautiful if we were filming you. <laughs> um, now, we always start on designing happiness. We talk about an epic fail, because I think it's important to remember that we're not all perfect all the time. So I'd love it if you could share with me an experience that you've had where it hasn't gone so perfectly. I'll take the first one. I know that Zach has one too. So um, when I was very young, starting out in the business, um, I was maybe 25 or so and um, had started really working full time for my dad and I was doing sales. I sold an order to a really big, important client in Atlanta. And um, I didn't really understand thoroughly the scenic nature or the mural aspect of the wallpaper as much as perhaps I should have. And they picked a particular panel, which had, I believe, like red flowers on it. Mm -hmm. And they said, we want that one for the whole dining room. And I said, perfect, I'll have it produced for you. And I focused on the architecture and made sure Mm -hmm. it was going to fit just so and so on and so forth. And this was a wallpaper, this particular one had a wide range of colors so there was not only red flowers in some panels but other other panels had blue and other panels had yellow it was one of those designs that's exceptionally um, varied in coloration and so um and then as it always goes the order does not the order is neglected to be inspected before it goes up on the walls and the installer gets it and adheres it to the wall, which is a bad situation if it's not approved. Um, And uh, yeah, it was a riot of color. That was their quote to us. This is a riot of color. (laughs) And that's not, the word riot isn't generally positive, is it? It was, yes, it was, it was, um, it was, they were stigmatizing it. (laughs) And so, um, yes, so they, we ordered red flowers and the homeowner approved red flowers. And so, yes, it was a hard lesson for me to remember that you, um, may sell from a single panel, perhaps on the road, by showing a, a single mm-hmm. panel, but that you have to talk about the range of color. In fact, that was before we had something which we now have called color charts. And so we have a little letter size uh, chart that shows the full range of colors in each of the designs, which conveys the fact that there may be blue mm-hmm. flowers, yellow Multiple flowers, colors. red flowers, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and so, um, needless to say, at my tender age, it caused me a great deal of stress um, to sort through. And um, in the end, we had to reproduce the order. And, with um, only red flowers. With the, the red flowers that they wanted. And my dad was not any too happy about the whole situation. And so, yes, it was a hard lesson. Um, but well worth it for me. So. But you know what's so nice about that is that we, we have both very enthusiastic homeowners who are very keen on design and wanting to undertake projects themselves. We also have some wonderful listeners who are interior designers and looking to build their practice. And what you have just articulated there is a really common mistake. You see something on a micro level and you presume when you amplify it, it will just be more of the same. 
So there's a lesson for all of us there, yeah. whether we're a business owner selling it on or even it's for our own homes. And I must say, it is assuring that you guys were making it. <laughs> but like, and I would have not wanted to be a fly on the wall during that conversation. <laughs> but you'll never make that mistake again, right? Right, right. And Zach, I, I know what your answer is. Like, I love this story. So please. Yes. So I'm glad I can look back on it and, and laugh hard. Um, <laughs> It was early in my career as well, about a year in, and I was working on a lovely hotel project with Mike. He was teaching me about the commercial side of the business, and we had this beautiful New York City scenic, much of which featured Central Park scenes that installed into uh, wardrobes and cabinets, and we had ice skaters skating on a pond in Central Park. And the order came in after being painted for you know the, the four or five months that our orders can take for, for a custom order. And I went to go check it and realized that my instruction was not perfect to the studio. And there were roller skate wheels on the ice skates on the ice, which didn't make much sense. And I panicked and ran to our lead New York artist and he sat me down and said, it's, it's all going to be okay. And in fact, Mike actually said, no, this is, this is going to be okay. This is your first experience with something like this. And in a matter of, I, I think, no longer than a day and a half, Taki, our lead artist, had taken off the roller blade wheels with a razor blade and painted beautiful ice skate blades and it's installed in this hotel and it's wonderful which is why it's testament <laughs> that it's hand painted yes. because you can hand edit yes, yes. i can elaborate on that story uh, just to give you a little um, um sort of ambiance that that was an installation for perhaps the iconic new york hotel that it could have been in for the world-class interior designer that we were working with. Um, so it was, the stakes were high. And, um, you know, it occurred to us afterwards, it was, it was a depiction of Wollman Rink mm. in Central Park, which is, of course, a skating rink. And um, so you had to get that right. It wasn't going to fly to have roller skaters on the ice in Wollman Rink. And, um, you know, the studio in China is southern China, and I don't recall ever being in that area seeing an ice skating rink. So understandable um lost in translation mm -hmm. situation there and you know what that's it's absolutely brilliant did you take any photographs of what it looked like prior to the change i, oh, do, I sure. do have some oh good yeah yeah good because yeah. i hope at the time i would have been had that shame of oh my god the mistake but it is good <laughs> to laugh at these things and it is so understandable i remember an email with a photo so i'm sure we still have it yeah exactly oh my god there's roller skates on the skaters and also the word skate of course it's transferable sure, skating sure, yeah. roller blading yeah. ice skating yeah absolutely brilliant no I love that um it was the longest hug I ever gave <laughs> our lead New York artist <laughs> and did the interior designer know did you fess up and no, say no they never heard they never heard they, and, why and would they yeah and there was there yeah. was not even a mark to suggest no that anything had been revised yeah. and I don't think there was even a hiccup in the schedule that's yeah. the Taki who's the artist yeah. we're referring to at our New York studio is uh he's a rock star so, um, yeah, once again. Looks like a wizard by the sounds of things. <laughs> Magical skills. Um, now, if I'm thinking about renovating or extending my home, and I absolutely categorically want to include scenic wallpaper, what are the three most important aspects that I need to consider 
before installing your work? Um, I, I feel that one of the most important things that you can do from a starting point when working with us is if you if you have an installer, a wallpaper installer that is experienced with hand painted wallpaper and even ours, if that if they have that would be great. And if you don't have access to that, contact us because we have a list of installers worldwide where we can say they've been on dozens of jobs and we trust them and they're going to make your order beautiful. I'd say that is the best starting point. And then from there, just make sure that you are really looking at all of our designs because we have a lot of them. And some people can feel overwhelmed, but you should treat it as a fun experience. Mm -hmm. picking, picking your favorite background or your favorite birds and, and making it what you're going to love because it's going to be beautiful on your walls for years to come. It is an artwork. It really is an artwork. It really is. Great advice. Yeah, we have about, at our stall here, we're, we're displaying at Focus 22 at the Design Center Chelsea Harbor right now. And in our stall here, we have probably 60 or 75 different designs with us. And that's not even the whole of it. And so there's a lot to choose from. It's a great idea to start with something you love and then not to forget that we can customize and tweak. So sometimes um, somebody will look at one of our designs and say, oh, I love it, but those, those birds won't work for me or those flowers won't work for me. And we can always change that. And that's absolutely, truly brilliant advice. Um, I can't amplify enough that first piece of advice that you gave there, Zach, about using an expert installer. Um, there is nothing worse than having something that is a stunning material, whether it is a hand-painted wallpaper, some beautiful marble that's been shipped across from Italy, um, and it being installed badly. It ruins it. It ruins your experience. And the finish is all you're left with. Yeah. I always talk to my clients. It's only the finish that you get to see. Exactly. I, I When I'm often talking to my uh, construction partners, they say that's our legacy. It's not how nice we were when the building was going, work was going on, although that matters. And it's not how tidy we are, although that matters. It's the finish that you're left with. You're only as good as your installation. Exactly yeah. so. And it's not where you scrimp and save. Yeah. This is not, this is buy cheap, buy twice in this instance. So I absolutely recommend that. And I love that, that they can reach out to you and find someone. Um, and it is worth it. And I, as with a construction hat on, what I would say is, your wallpaper, who should come to your property to look at the space to do the quote, would also be looking at the calibre of the walls that you've got. So, for example, if your wall isn't even, if it needs to be lined, it may even need to be replastered. That's if we're not working on a new build. Don't be afraid of that. That work's actually relatively simple to do. There is no point investing in something like this if you haven't done the preparation work. Absolutely. So I just add that into what you guys are saying. So, yeah, really, really good. Fix all the pipes above. The Fix the pipes. Get the wires in the right place first. You can't chase your walls after this wallpaper's been done. If I got paid a pound for every time I'd given that piece of advice, <laughs> well, let me tell you, I would live in a mansion and every single wall would have the wallpaper on it. Um, now, let's talk about money, because who doesn't like to talk about money? Um, what's the best piece of advice for um, budgeting when it comes to your wallpaper? Well, we, we have, it, to be fair, we're a high-end product. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes people think we're higher end than we really are. And I think sometimes people don't go in um, understanding that we love to work with, with people. We love to work with clients. 
and find a budget that works for them. And there could be a vast difference between, say, the, the aesthetic that they choose originally and what's available with a very similar aesthetic at a lower budget. So it may not have a um, highly produced kind of background that requires all kinds of work or um, there may be a density of design that can be changed, but still convey the same idea. And we're absolutely willing to work with people in That's that way. That's great so, to hear that because yeah, people are afraid of this. There. They're afraid, people are afraid of talking about budget and talking and saying, look, here's what I've got. We would never turn our nose up at That's somebody for asking so good us to, to help hear. And some of the competitors that work in this field, they are very exclusive. And that is the first question that they ask. Mm-hmm. And it can be intimidating for the listeners of Designing Happiness and other people in our industry. Mm-hmm. So that's really great to hear. Yeah. Zach, is there anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I would just like to add that, um, you know, I find that the fact that it is our family business makes you know, the, the pride and, and our hearts behind it kind of effortless. And if someone is a fan of, of Gracie wallpaper and they, they want to have it, we equally want them to have it. Uh, and it's for that reason that we've, we find it so important that we have no minimum order size. If someone wants to do their 30 foot or, or what would that be in meters? I'm, I'm speaking New anyone, York. Anyone who's out there <laughs> who can convert it to meters. A, a 30, 10 or so. Yeah, <laughs> a, 10, a 10 meter foyer, uh, we can do that. And if somebody doesn't have that in their budget, they can come to us and tell us they want to do a, a, a one meter by one meter piece that they're going to frame and put it on that wall that they walk out of their bedroom and see every morning. Exactly. So I, I absolutely, that answer just fills me with such warmth because the reality is this could be the only bespoke element that someone puts into their property, that everything else they've managed to make savings and this is the element that they invest in. But happiness comes from having something in your home that you resonate with. It's highly functioning and it resonates with your personality. And so having that, as you say, it might be something absolutely grand or it might be something small and beautiful. Either way, it can amplify your happiness in your home. Um, Just to also add, I know something that a lot of designers are doing now where they're working with very large spaces and actually the client doesn't want to be overwhelmed by the wallpaper, is they're putting wallpaper into panels within the wall, planted panels, which again, people sometimes forget that reduces the quantity that there is. Um, So there's all kinds of, I know the ways that people can talk to you. The most important thing is have the conversation. And the next question leads very nicely onto this because I'm going to be talking about what stage in the project we should start talking to you guys, which I think is going to fit very nicely with when you start budgeting. So when is it best? I'm thinking about redoing a space. I want to have your wallpaper. Do I talk to you? (laughs) A loaded question. Do I talk to you a week before it's due to be installed? (laughs) Or do I talk to you at the point that literally I'm thinking about planning the space? Maybe the building works haven't even happened yet. So we're talking months and months before. Well, for context, right now, I think we're running about 20 to 24 weeks, right? From the, from the start of an inquiry to, to, yeah, the sketch and completion of order. That's yeah. Yeah. just like everybody else. Our lead times have increased in recent times. Um, so I think we were, gosh, I can remember in um, not too long ago, perhaps we were at about 14 to 18. Um, that was good. So, that was, if you were yeah. at those numbers, that was good. Yeah. yeah. So I would say um, if somebody wants to do Gracie wallpaper, um, as soon as they, if they're building, as soon as they have elevations, um, 
and renovating, you know, that they know exactly what the walls and all are going to look like. It's perfect time, sure, yeah. Exactly. So, and, and what we always recommend here, go back through any of the past podcasts, we talk to you about the stages. We design it, we buy it, we build it. So we do the design work, we make the plan for it, we go out to buy it. That way you're budgeting everything. So if this is a little bit more of a splurge here, you might be able to make a saving somewhere else. And then you go into the build process and you've got everything all programmed in, all purchased, all to be delivered. We have this ongoing conversation internally. Um, We would love to say you you can't approve a design sketch from conceptual dimensions. Mm. It must be as built. And, you know, the truth of the matter is that it's just not going to be practicable for people to do that because they're going to be looking at white walls when the homeowner is insisting upon having a house that's furnished and ready to move into. The way these things happen, it's... So we have to accept that, and there's always a little bit of risk there because your as-built dimensions are never going to be 100% to the... No, exactly. Price. So the, the tolerances in a build is... Um, it can be plus or minus 5 mil for yeah. block work. Yeah. Put plaster work on top of that. I've seen windows in fundamentally the wrong place right. where it's actually cheaper to go to the planning officer and get retrospective approval to be yeah. in that place rather than change the opening. Right, right. Yeah, so it is a challenge. Trees are forgiving, right? Trees mm-hmm. and, and groundwork and things like that. Birds don't look so good when they're cut in half. Spliced so and tried to put together. Right, yeah. so we've learned to keep those key design elements away from um, casings yeah. and windows and things like that. That's brilliant to hear. Even that kind of experience that it wouldn't be expected for any uh, enthusiastic design enthusiastic homeowner or even industry professional to have necessarily thought of that. Mm-hmm. And no one can guarantee to say, yes, this is accurate to plus or minus one mil. Mm-hmm. Not at that stage. Right. Frankly, even when I measure an established property that's only being fitted out, you still get errors in the surveying. Right. Right. <laughs> I just wanted to add one thing. Um, we get lots of inquiries, and I don't think London would be any exception to having old homes. Oh, we've got very, <laughs> our housing stock is very old in the so UK. So it's very common to get the question from, from a designer of, is this going to fit? Because... It is this measurement on the right side and it goes up this much on the left side. And how is that going to work? If we know those details and we know exactly what your base molding and your crown molding is going to be, we can leave, um, as Mike was touching on, enough space that the forgiveness is there. Mm. But that, that first communication has to be really, really nice to know is this an old home? Do we need to bring these factors into play on this order to make it perfect? I mean, that's part of having the conversation with you and you guys being so accommodating and friendly is that someone feels positive to go, oh, by the way, look, this is a Georgian property and no wall is straight. Everything is out. And then you just know it's you're not going to push back and go, oh, no, sorry, we only work with perfect boxes. <laughs> right. As someone who's built supposedly those perfect boxes, let me tell you, they're never perfect. Either. I prefer the older, beautiful, more, <laughs> the more beautiful. I will talk to you in one year's time when you've worked on London architecture. <laughs> Wait until we start seeing the Tudor stuff. There um, you're into 3D because you're working over uh, Wattle and Daub. That side of the business must be a Wait, whole other animal. You have to elaborate on what you just said. You, did you say wattle and door? 
Dorb. Wattle and Dorb is, so when you had timber-structured buildings, um, between the timber, there was no block work to build up. So what they did was they used mud or clay mm. and straw. Mm. And sometimes it, we, it was maybe from the animal stables. Mm. So it wasn't either mud or clay. <laughs> it was a little bit of everything. Um, and it would be compacted together. In actual fact, can you believe it? They're now looking at this as a building material because it's so thermally efficient wow. and sustainable to use. And it was packed in between the timber frames, but it wasn't packed perfectly. It would mm. kind of bulge out slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was this was how you built uh, timber frame buildings. And you still have this in London now. I love That's it. Character. We're here to give information and we're learning. Yes. Well, there you go. Every day is a school day, right? <laughs> <laughs> Never saw Waddle and Door when I was doing demolition in the construction industry. Well, I tell you what, if you're still in London, I'll take you around. We'll show you some spaces. Hampton Court Palace straight away. Get I'll bring my N95 with me. <laughs> um, it's a great answer. Um, and just, just to reiterate there, those lead times that you were talking about, I think that's, that's just good planning. We're, we're talking broadly about six months. Yes. Six months from the the conversation with you at the point that we kind of know what design it's going to be through to that being delivered on site. Um, and you know what you get? All good things come to those who wait, I think, is the main thing there. Um, and I would be very, very worried. I'm going to touch on this at the end. I'd be very worried if you have got someone who is saying they're making handmade wallpaper, hand-painted wallpaper, and they have got much shorter lead times than that. Because what you are describing is a standard for all of my bespoke handmade wallpaper suppliers that I work with. Um, if someone's saying it's much less, my suggestion would be it's unlikely to be hand painted. It's much more likely to perhaps be digitally produced or something mm-hmm. else. But I'm going to talk about that a little bit at the end. Um, almost last question. Here at Designing Happiness, we love achieving the impossible. What, in your opinion, is the best idea from a client you have been able to fulfil? You got a good one for this side? I, I do have a good one. Um, I've included lots of special little fun custom additions to orders. Uh, but I had one order in particular that I worked on that I just found so special where they, they wanted to hide their, uh, the couple wanted to hide their wedding anniversary in a leaf. And then we put their children's initials in the branches to look like they were actually carved with a pocket knife or a Swiss Army knife onto yes. the tree. Um, and that can go from from something quite simple like that to putting your beloved ch- childhood pet into the scenic. So I always have fun with the custom requests. I want to hear you talk about the one that you're doing for the club in Tribeca right oh, now. Oh, gosh, that, that one should be talked about. We're doing a, 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 so, a new social club opening in Tribeca in, in Manhattan. It should be opening in October. Um, the, the club is called Maxwell, and the theme is Elsa Maxwell, who was a, a very beloved figure. Mm. We're painting two scenes, one of New York and one of Paris, for one of the rooms in this club. And she threw amazing parties in both of these locations. And if you were if you were uh, someone who was out and about in those times in those cities, you wanted an invitation to her yes. parties. So it is 1940s, 50s New York and Paris, but we've tied in all sorts of things from her parties, like her having 
trained circus seals, and that's painted in. Uh, we've included Times Square. She's seated at a table with uh, Marilyn Monroe having cocktails and a cigarette. And it's it's really special. Thank you for reminding me. We have Groucho Marx, right? Right. Albert yes. Einstein. Albert Einstein's in there. The Guggenheim. Uh, Grand Central Station. And is, and is that Tower. all from, is there an element of kind of creative license, poetic license there? Or is there research being done? And that was her circle of influence. I'm not quite sure if the crossover between Marilyn and the periods. It, it was, uh, yeah, there was a little bit of... Uh, Poetic um, license, artistic license. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You're allowed to have that. Dream mural. I love it. Listen, one of my favorite movies is uh, Midnight in Paris, which <laughs> right, is exactly that. That's the ultimate yeah. fever dream of who is in Paris at any one time. So I love this. In the Paris yeah. scene, we have her dipping her toes into the river. Yes. Uh, with black swans swimming up to her. And um, in the other side of the scene, we have uh, beautiful scenes of the Eiffel Tower and... The south of France is in another part of the scene. It's, I love it. That yeah. is a great, great order. And it's beautiful. It's the the important fact is that it's just gorgeous. It's being produced at our New York studio and it's being painted in a, in the most beautiful way. And um, these the architecture and the faces. Taki, who's the senior artist on the job, is also a portrait artist. So. And that's it. it. And that's the reality is sometimes when we talk about a, a bespoke mural like that, it can be a little bit of a pastiche. It can be a little bit comical, which is fine. Sometimes if you're doing a child's room or something, that's fine. A little bit of a softer animation. But actually what we're talking about, it, it, it will be a, a piece of a piece of art. We've said it a couple of times. This will be a proper piece of art. Yes. They're so lucky. What I can't wait. I, I'm gonna just have to Certainly. wangle an invite. Wait, you should you should let us know when you come to New York. Absolutely. Because um, we have a we're getting a membership to the club as part of this I should hope project. So. And so you never know. Maybe we'll have a little yes. soiree there that you can come join us at. Well, never, never knowingly there. say no to a soiree. <laughs> so I'm there. Yeah. Just a flight ticket away. Um, finally, what's the most positive and valuable lesson clients have learned from using your wallpaper? I've got an answer for that. Uh-huh. Um, I think that um, people perhaps can be pleasantly surprised to learn that they're not only buying a world-class exquisite product, that they probably knew that when they came to us, that's why they came to us, but that they have a wonderful experience working with us. And, um, you know, I think that Zach referred earlier to the fact that we're a family business and it's a big family. So it's not just the owners as family, but we really have close relationships with all of our staff, all of our staff, know us and work with us on a daily basis as owners and um and and have a real appreciation for the company and um we we know that we will expect from and get from all of our people that um uh, a respectful and um a, a sense that the client is appreciated my dad has a great thing that he's said to us so many times over the years is that um a client will never come to us for something that they need. They come to us for something that they want. And we have to respond accordingly to that. So, and I'm really proud that we always do. He sounds like an amazing man and, and resonates a lot with what I talk about. The, this is happiness. 
Happiness is creating something that you want. It's unique to you. It's bespoke to you. No one else, your house, not theirs. It's what you resonate with. And what I love, all the energy I'm getting from you is both that you've got the creative technicality to deliver that. And you give loads of examples about that, but also that the process and the journey is going to be so nice. And actually, I'm glad it takes that long. I'm glad it takes that kind of 20 plus (laughs) weeks because otherwise it'd be a flash in the pan. That's 24 weeks of your life. (laughs) Exactly. You know, husbands and wives need to be worried. Um, Thank you so much. And, And I just wanted to say that I... On designing happiness, we have a plethora uh, of different experts come on from the very, very technical when you're undertaking a build uh, or a refurbishment, where we've talked to green roof specialists and we've talked to sculptors about the uh, groundworks required for putting marble sculptures in your garden, all the way through to this, which, as you say, is a, it's a decorative finish. It is a nice to, not a need to. But what I would say is my clients come to me because they want the absolute best in their home. Um, and they uh, they feel comfortable in talking to me about the finish that they want. And people talk about the finish because that's what they see. They're comfortable in talking about that. And they don't know about what sits underneath that. And why should they? That's what technical experts are here for. Um, but over and over again, I have my clients coming to me talking about your products because they've seen them online, whether it's through periodicals such as Architectural Digest, Home and Garden, Condé Nast, World of Interiors, um, or they found your website or they found things that you've produced, your interior designers that have commissioned you have produced. Um, And what they want is they want to have that feeling of a prime property in their home. They can't always articulate why it is that it's so special, but over and over again, people resonate with the type of product that you produce. Um, And it's my absolute honour to be able to build buildings that allow for it and talk to you guys about it. So really, I hope you are proud in what you do. And I'm very, very grateful that you are on the Designing Happiness podcast with me. So Zach, Mike, thank you so much. For more information on today's show, any links that we've mentioned or to listen to other episodes, please see the podcast page on my website, abigailhall.design. Follow us on Instagram, which is at the Queen of Construction. And please subscribe and rate this podcast as it helps other homeowners learn how to design and build their happiness. Thank you for listening. I've been Abigail Hall and this has been the Designing Happiness Podcast.